Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I'm excited to share this message with you today. I pray the Lord ministers to you as you listen. Well, let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing all over the world and revival that you're, we get to be a part of. And we just, we bless this day in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been sharing about faith about every time I get to the podium because of, I, of what's happening inside of me. And I feel the Lord calling me to, one, get back to the deeds that I did at first, the radical faith that I grew up in as a new believer, but also to build on that from faith to faith and in my own life to inspire myself and others to go where we've never gone before. And so that's kind of led to this message or messages or series of messages to really inspire faith that we might get back to the deeds we did at first and then also grow our faith to where we've never gone before. So uh, today I want to talk about radical faith. And, you know, uh, have, you, have you seen that commercial for those of you that watch secular TV? They tell me about it. <laughs> about the, it's that beer commercial that says, uh, he, it's the most interesting man. He said, you know, I don't drink beer, but when I do. Well, I met the most interesting man I've ever met this week. And uh, he was a former school ministry student. His name is Jimmy Darts. Does, how many of you know Jimmy Darts? Huh, woo! Well, I didn't. And uh, we do this weekly podcast or webcast actually called Cultural Catalysts. And what we do is we interview people that are catalytic to like the seven mountains, you know, people that are actually bringing the kingdom to different realms. And so we've been doing it for a year or two. And we just interview these people, some in the political world, some in the, you know, church world, some in the business world, education, whatever. And my team was like, you, we got to have Jimmy Darts on. I'm like, who's that? And they told me some of the things he does. I'm like, nah, 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 that's not good. So they showed me one of his videos. I'm like, oh, maybe we should have him on. <laughs> and he's a, I think I said this, but he's a former uh, BSSM graduate. So we had the planned with, to video him in an interview and it snowed so the camera crew couldn't get to the studio. So they're like, we have to cancel. And my, my team was like, they, he flew here, I feel so bad. I'm like, well, let's just, I'll take my four wheel drive and go pick him up and we'll take him to my office and we'll just do a live Instagram. That'll be better than nothing. Okay, so I pick him up and he's in my truck and he's like telling me these stories. I'm like, who is this man? What planet are you from? And I, I was like, I fell in love with the guy in a few minutes and we ended up doing the, the Instagram thing and talking for two hours. Then my family went to dinner with him and he's just, a, he's just a crazy radical believer. And he grew up in a house where his father was, his mom and dad are believers and his dad's kind of a prankster and so before he knew the Lord, he used to do these videos or he'd go to the parties and he'd just do crazy stuff. Like he'd punch himself in the face and bloody his face and then go to the party and then video people's expression of his craziness. I'm like, why'd you do that? He's like, I don't know. I just did it, you know. And he, he told me he laid down on the highway one time and blocked traffic for miles. And 
and, ah, really, really important things that you did before you knew the Lord. So anyway, but he had millions of followers. Now he has 11 million followers on TikTok. And he, so he, when he became a Christian, and the way he became a Christian is wild. I told the story wrong first service. Jay corrected me, so that's good. I got it right now. But he was at a party, and they were just doing crazy stuff, like jumping over the fire and who could get the closest to the fire. Well, his mother gave him some Jesus socks. So he had these Jesus socks on. And evidently got so close to fire, it burned holes in his Jesus socks. So he took him home and he was like, you know, he's in a crisis of faith. He's not walking with the Lord, but he grew up in a Christian home. And he puts his socks in the drawer and he's praying. And he said, God, if you're real, his mom said, you know, I'll fix those socks. And he's like, no, nah, I'll put them in drawers. So he put them in drawers. drawer. He says, God, if you're real, fix my socks. And he goes the next morning, takes them out and they're all completely well, no holes. And so anyway, he commits his life to the Lord. Oh, it gets worse. Let me just tell you, that was, that was an opening statement. And, he, uh, and the Lord says, uh, put down your idol, which was all this video crazy stuff. So he said he laid it down for five years, just following the Lord. He went to YWAM, came to, um, to Bethel's school ministry, and, and he's been all over just you know, walking with the Lord and learning about the Lord, super hungry for the Lord. He had just like this thing just awakened in him. And then uh, about five years later, the Lord said, okay, I want you to pick that back up and I want you to use it for me. He's like, what am I gonna do? He goes, random acts of kindness. So he tells me this story that, or as an example, he's in Anaheim and there's a homeless man that's uh, just sleeping on the street in Anaheim. And the Lord goes, go, go, go help that guy. So he sits down with the guy and next to the guy and he's like, hey, what's your story? Anyway, the guy's a heroin addict. He was a former veteran. He's addicted, he's been on the streets for years. And Jimmy asked the guy, you know, what's on your bucket list? Like, if you could do anything, what's on your bucket list? The guy's like, what's a bucket list? He goes, you know, like, something you've always wanted to do. The guy goes, I don't know, I don't know. I'd like to go up in a hot air balloon. I'd like to go skydiving. I'd like to go deep sea fishing. And Jimmy goes, I'm gonna pick you up in two hours, be ready. We're going to go in an air balloon. <laughs> so he just picks this homeless man up and takes him on an air balloon ride two hours after he meets him. And uh, he brings him back, takes him back to the streets and tells the guy, I'm picking you up in two days. We're going skydiving. So he picks the guy up two days later or three days, whatever it was, a couple of days later. And he takes the guy skydiving. And the guy's like, this is the most, this is the wildest thing I've ever done. And he said, well, I'm gonna pick you up in three more days and I'm going deep sea fishing. So he takes the guy deep sea fishing. He never met this guy before. Takes him deep, deep sea fishing. And the guy's just like, he's just totally being loved on and transformed. And you know, his key, one of his key verses is the kindness of God leads to repentance. And so uh, finally he videos this guy and he tells his followers, hey, this is whatever his name is, John. And John's, you know, John's a vet and John's getting inspired, da, da, da. We need to help John. So he raised $8,000 in one day for the guy. They, they get him an apartment. And a year and a half later, the guy's got a job. He's got a brand new car. He's like serving the Lord. <laughs> this, this crazy stuff. 
And, and I'm listening to these stories and I'm getting inspired. I'm like, I want us to be a catalyst. I want to be a catalyst to inspire people to change. And he's telling a story after story of just being in people's lives, giving them money, doing stuff for them, meeting them, loving on people, and transforming people. And I believe that we, God is calling us to radical faith. I believe that God is calling us to radical faith. And I believe that we're in a Kairos moment that is not just for an outpouring, but for a revival that leads to a reformation that leads to a renaissance. I believe that God's calling us to enduring faith. Are you with me? You know, um, in James chapter two, James says that faith without works is dead. And I preach uh, this, the series, and I wanna remind you of two things that I wanna bring into this message, and that is faith is catalyzed through works. Are you with me? In other words, you're like, James says, you say you have faith, but show it to me by your works. And he says, wasn't Abraham actually justified, Abraham, who's a man of faith, was he not justified when he offered Isaac up on the altar? In other words, that faith, he goes on to say, that faith without works is actually dead, just like your body without your spirit is dead. Think about that. How dead is your body without your spirit? James says that faith is that dead if you actually don't catalyze it with works. Let me just say that again. Faith is that dead when you don't catalyze it with works. Some of us are like, God, I'm waiting for you to move on my life. And God's like, I'm waiting for you to move so that I can actually get behind your works and move on your behalf. Jimmy meets this atheist. And these guys like, I'm an atheist. And he's like, you're an atheist. I don't, and you have to know Jimmy, like Jimmy's conversations no one else can have. And Jimmy's like, oh, you're not an atheist. And the guy's like, oh, I'm an atheist. He's like, why are you atheists? He goes, oh, Christians, they're all, you know, they, they, they betray you. They do this to you. They do that to you. And he says to the atheist guy, he goes, you know what? If a guy put on a Michael Jordan sweatshirt and robbed a bank, is he representing Michael Jordan? The guy goes, no. And he goes, there are a lot of Christians doing works that don't represent God. And I think you led that guy to the Lord, you know, it's like crazy stuff. But how many know that God wants us to works that catalyze faith in other people and in us? And I believe that we're in this season of God doing the miraculous because he wants to shift a culture. The second thing I, I shared last week or two weeks ago is that faith is voice activated. Faith is voice activated. Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be removed. And don't doubt in your heart that what you said will happen. It will be done for you by my Father who's in heaven. And what I'm getting at is we probably all have this happen in our lives, except for Bill, that we complain. <laughs> Maybe Bill does it too. But we complain about our problems instead of stepping back and say, God, what do you say about my problem? and begin to speak into this. Are you with me? I'm talking about radical faith. I'm talking about moving out of this kind of halfway house faith that we move in. It's like, I go to church and I do good things, but I feel like God's calling us to instill radical faith in our journey and actually turning the course of American and all off, I mean, ultimately global history. And I, I, I mean, I feel like God wants to awaken something in us that maybe is dormant or asleep 
or maybe he wants to awaken something in us that's never been awakened, or at least a level of it, where we begin to move outside of our comfort zone and in, can I say, to the radical faith zone. And so, you know, God wants us to begin to speak to the mountains, to speak to our problems, not make up something like, okay, let's see, instead of complaining, I'll say, no, Johnny's a good boy. No, God, what do you say about Johnny? Johnny's misbehaving. Johnny gets kicked out of school. God, what is your word to Johnny? And God says, Johnny's going to be a world changer. Johnny's going to be. And I begin to speak, not in front of Johnny, but I begin to speak to Johnny what God says about Johnny. Are you with me? Turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, everybody say the author, and the perfecter, come on, say the perfecter of our faith. I want to point out that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one writing our story. He, God is the one writing our story. Faith creates alternative ends to my personal documentary. It rewrites the final frame of my happy ever after script. It's interesting how God's biography about you reads. <laughs> you know, Sarah, you remember the story of Sarah and Abraham? It says, Hebrews says that Sarah conceived because she believed in him who was faithful. Now, the Genesis story is a little different than that. God comes to Abraham and says, you're going to have a son. I'm going to bless him. He's going to be the beginning of nations, stars of the sky, sands of the sea. So, God, so Abraham's trying to have kids, can't have a kid. Uh, we don't know how that goes, but the argument with Sarah and Abraham is, comes to this place where Sarah finally says, here, take my servant Hagar. So evidently, Sarah's thinking, hey, this isn't my problem. Biologically, this is your problem. You keep pressing me, you keep pushing me. Here, take Hagar. I'm gonna to prove to you, you're the issue. And then Hagar gets pregnant and has a son named Ishmael. Do you remember the story? And Hagar and Sarah kicks them both out. And God, and Abraham says to God, God bless Ishmael and let him be my promised, the promised child. God goes, I'm gonna bless him, but he isn't the promised child. So time passes and years pass Finally, Abraham, I think, is like 99. And God comes to Abraham, Sarah's in the tent, and says, this time next year, you're going to have a son. And Sarah hears it, and she starts laughing. She's not like joyfully laughing. She's like that, ha, <laughs> sure, laughing. That kind of thing, you know. Oh, yeah, sure, uh-huh. And God walks in the tent and goes, you laughed. <laughs> I didn't misrepresent Sarah. <laughs> God, God walks in the tent and says, you laughed. And she says, we didn't, I didn't laugh. And he goes, oh yeah, you laugh. You'll call him Isaac, I'll laugh. Right. Right. How many know God's like, I'll get the last laugh. Right. And of course she has Isaac and that's the rest of the story. But my point is, is that when, when Hebrews, when the New Testament looks back at Sarah, he says, she considered him faithful who promised. Yeah. I'm like, where did that happen in the Genesis story? And what I'm pointing out is that a lot of us don't move in radical faith because of our story. That we tell our story, and God goes, that's not the story I tell about you. You should watch the, you should watch the documentary I wrote about you through the blood of Jesus. And you're like, that looks more like you than it does me. And God goes, that's the point. <laughs> and, I, and I'm saying that God wants to rewrite your story. 
You're like, I failed. I had a child out of wedlock. I've, I've been divorced. I was a drug addict. I was in God's like, oh, that's not the story I tell. You should hear the story I tell. The story I tell, it inspires angels to help you. And I think that a lot of us need to take some time to listen to the story that God tells about us. I've been taken with the Gideon story this week. You know, Gideon in, in chapter six of Judges, God comes to the Israelites who have been oppressed by the Midianites, not the Mennonites, the Midianites, to be clear. <laughs> well, in first service, I said Jesus only lived three years, so it's getting more accurate at least. My whole front row is editing. <laughs> 33 years, 33 years. <laughs> I was trying to make a point that he ministered three and a half years, but I sort of got his whole birth date wrong. And the Midianites are oppressing the Israelites to this place where they actually are burning their fields. The Midianites are burning their fields. There, there's famine in the land. And so they're literally trying to harvest their crops early, beat the wheat out in the wine presses, hiding in wine presses. And God sends them a prophet. And this prophet does not tell them about their future. How'd you like to go to a prophetic conference where he doesn't tell you about your future, but he tells you about your past? And the prophet says to them, God says to tell you that he is the God that led you out of Egypt. He led you through the Red Sea on dry land. This is the God you serve. In other words, you think that I can't deliver you from these many nights. I delivered you from the Egyptians. I'm the God who delivers. Well, evidently, Gideon goes to that conference because the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon. And the first thing he says to Gideon is, oh, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, yeah, if I'm a mighty warrior, where are all the miracles I heard about at the conference? I'm ad-libbing a little slightly, <laughs> taking liberties. He literally says, where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about when he led us out of Egypt? If there's if I'm a mighty warrior, then how come there's no miracles? And the angel basically says, miracles in you, Gideon. And he begins to tell Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. You are going to deliver Israel. And Gideon begins to tell him all the reasons why he is not qualified. He begins to read him his documentary about him. And the angel basically says, that is not God's documentary on you. You are a mighty man of valor and you are anointed to deliver these people. And let me tell you, Gideon, if you don't believe me, go down into the enemy's camp and listen to what they're saying about you. And he goes down into the enemy's camp and, the, and the, that he's about to attack. And the enemy, one, one of the enemy soldiers is talking to another one. He goes, I had a dream last night. Said, what was it? He said, I saw a barley loaf come down and roll over our tents. And the other guy goes, that's none other than Gideon. He's anointed to kill us all. <laughs> Your, the enemy's commentary on you is better than yours. Wow. <laughs> I'm saying we don't move in radical faith because we're afraid what people say about us, but the enemy's like, we better stop him. He's going to kill us. He's been anointed by God. And you're like, oh, the enemy attacked me. The enemy's probably the one that's benefiting you at this point because he's got a better commentary on you than you do. Wow. <laughs> Unless he comes as the accuser. And that's a whole other message I'll preach another time. My point is, is that God has called us. I want to say three things I learned by the Gideon story. 
First one, the first one is radical acts of faith begin with the revelation of, number one, who is God? I've come to you as the deliverer, and I delivered Egypt, I delivered Israel out of Egypt, and I'm going to deliver you guys. I am the deliverer. When God comes to you, he often comes as the person who is, is called to solve your problems. In other words, he didn't come as the healer in this one. He didn't come. He came as the deliverer. And the stories that God tells about himself to the, to the Israelites is that he is the deliverer. How many of you know God's the bread of life? He's the Lamb of God. He's, we can go on and on. He's the Word of God. He's the Good Shepherd. But when He comes to you, He typically comes in the answer that you need. I, you're in financial trouble, and God goes, I've come as the God of more than enough. I've come, you're sick. He goes, I've come as the great physician. And what I'm getting at is that radical faith is bred through revelation of who God is in my situation. Number two, and this is profoundly simple, but profound. Radical faith is birthed through the revelation of who you are. Gideon, you are a great man of valor. Listen, Gideon probably was a great father. He probably had other attributes, but what does God need him to do? Deliver Israel. So what is the title of Gideon's book? I'm writing this book about you, Gideon. It's called Gideon's a Great Warrior. And what I'm getting at is he identifies you by the, by, the, by the character traits that you need for the season you're in. Are you with me? And the third thing is, and I think this is powerful too, that radical acts of faith begin with the revelation of the clarity of your assignment. And, uh, okay, and I want to say this. I believe that we're in a season. I don't know if it's a season. We're, we're in this time where God is clarifying our assignments. Gideon, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what you're supposed to do. I want you to deliver Israel from the Midianites. This is what I need you to do. There's something that happens in our lives when we know that we know that we're doing what God's called us to do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know the, the story of Nebuchadnezzar. And they say to him, listen, we're not bowing to your idols. And God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, I mean, if I'm going to be cooked, I want to know I got cooked doing what I'm called to do. I don't want to get cooked for something I'm not called to do. I don't want to get cooked for something you're called to do. I want to, are you with me? They went into the fire. You get the cook part. Okay. <laughs> well done. <laughs> that was pretty, although that was pretty good, Axios. A little spontaneous. <laughs> I had an encounter with the Lord. This has been a few months ago. And the short story of it is that I saw myself as a, I saw my, my ministry as a bird. And I said to the bird, go, go. And the bird wouldn't go. And I finally threw him off and he came back and he landed on me. And I woke up instantly from the dream. You know, when you have those dreams that you know are the Lord, you don't have to go, well, is that the Lord? You wake up, and I woke up weeping. I woke Kathy up. I said, I, and the night before we were having a conversation at dinner, I said, I just feel like I'm just going to let go of this ministry and whatever comes back. And the, the bird came back, 
It landed in my hands. It wouldn't go. And I woke up. The Lord said, listen, this is, you're stewarding my ministry. You do this for three more years. and two more years, you're going to mirror this. And this is what I'm doing in your life. I woke up with clarity. Kathy can tell you. It changed my life right there. It changed my life. I'm like, okay, listen, how many know every ministry has pain to it? Life has pain. It, it, so sometimes we're like, I'm going to get out of the pain. It's like, I find new pain. <laughs> People are like, I'm going to get out of this marriage. It's like, oh, I'm going to get out of all this pain. It's like, oh no, you're going to get into more pain. How many know that something happens when my pain has a purpose? When I know that my suffering or my pain or my discomfort or my lack of having fun is actually ordained by God. I'm like, okay, I can do this. And then suddenly I have hope in the pain and I'm like, this is all onto a purpose. But it sucks when I'm doing pain and my, my assignment is not clarified. I'm not sure if you're in this. I don't know about you. It's, I, I don't like pain. But pain that has a purpose is, breeds hope in me. Pain that's like, are we going like round and around and around you go? Because I feel dizzy with, is this the right thing? Is that the right? I mean, every day I'm like, I'm a man like James 1. I'm a man that's double-minded. Today I'm doing it. Tomorrow I'm not. I'm going to quit today. I'm going to do something else tomorrow. It's like something happens when God goes, I've called you to defeat the Mennonites. Okay. Okay. I'm in. And I feel like that the Lord, I want you to all receive this. Family online, family here. We're in a season where the Lord's clarifying your assignment. I believe it. I can feel it. I, I, can, I know it in me. I know what the shift in me. You, Kathy could tell you, like, it changed everything. Man. Like, I get what I'm doing. It makes sense. Okay, let's do it. And, you know, you always have voices that think you should be doing this. And Gideon's got voices. You know, you, know, you always have, I mean, some people are trying to help you. And sometimes they aren't. <laughs> okay, I was going to say it differently, but that's probably fine. Last point I want to make right now is this. Radical faith requires radical obedience. Radical obedience. God says to Gideon, okay, Gideon, here's the plan. Now, what I want you to do is gather up the troops and let's have a conversation. 32,000 show up. God goes, awesome, too many. Let everyone who's afraid go home, and 22,000 go home. Now, I want you to understand, they're already outnumbered as the, the enemy is counted as the sands of the seashore. So I don't know, they're outnumbered 100 to 1 already. Now, 22,000 go home. And Gideon's like, oh, good, you know, at least we got a good church. No complainers in our church. <laughs> and then God goes, you still got too many. What I want you to do is take the men down to the river and whoever laps like a dog, those are your guys. And 300 lap like a dog. I, I like the ones that didn't lap like a dog. God's like, they lap like a dog, they're yours. I'm like, no, they're yours. <laughs> and God goes, okay, okay, Gideon, there's your men. Okay, now circle up. Here's the battle plan. God goes, you're going to get some jars and you're going to get some candles and you're going to get some trumpets. 
Notice anything missing? Uh, and Gideon's like, what? Okay, now here's what you're going to do. Now, it sounds crazy, I know, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to wait till nighttime, and light the candles, break the jars, and blow the trumpets. <laughs> Can you imagine? He's telling the guys, okay, I talked to God. <laughs> Johnny, hand out the jars. What are we doing? Well, God said we're going uh, we're gonna to light the candles, <laughs> going to break the jars, and blow the trumpets. I'd be like, have the three of you talked about this? This feels like a crazy plan. Sometimes God calls us to radical obedience. That the thing he's called us to be obedient about doesn't even seem related to the battle. Have you had that problem? Like God gives you a battle plan and you're like, God, I'm broke and I need money. Please send a wealthy person to give me money. And God's like, I want you to take the $500 you have and give it away. And you're like, no, no, I need more money. <laughs> have you ever had that happen to you? And God's like, I'll give you more when you give up this money. You're like, I'll give up this money when you give me more. And you're in this battle for weeks and God's like, radical faith means radical acts of obedience. <laughs> you know, I love this quote. Those seen, who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who couldn't hear the music. Like what you don't want to do when God calls you to a radical faith and a radical act of faith is ask your unsaved friends what they think about it. Because <laughs> they can't hear the music. Are you with me? <laughs> Have you ever told anybody, you know, what God called me to do, and you tell them, and they're like, you need counseling. You don't need money. But you need counseling. And what I'm getting at is, I believe that God is shifting culture, and he's called us to radical acts of obedience. I met a guy last month, we did a conference together, and I had never met him before. I actually don't even remember his name. <laughs> Why is that funny to you? <laughs> and he was telling this story. He's from Honduras, and God told him like 10 years ago, I want you to go to Mexico, and I specifically want you to move to this specific city. He didn't know why, he just moved there. And then come to find out that this city is right on the train tracks. It's the, train, the train runs through this little city. It's a town of 3,000. It runs through, see, I can remember all the details, but not his name. That's just driving me crazy too. And it runs right through his city. And he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to start a ministry helping the, the, this train, which is a cargo train. He said, I want you to help the immigrants that are escaping the cartel that ride this train. So he spent the last several years helping the immigrants that are escaping. And what he's done is, they, he said they're, they're usually two to three days without food by the time they get to his city. So he has boxes of food and water for them so that when they, when they stop at his town, he gives them food and water and prays for them and tries to lead them to the Lord. And he gives his phone number to them. He's given away his phone number to 180,000 people. That's <laughs> like, that's his phone number. Not his Facebook page. <laughs> That's a miracle. So anyway, this goes on for a long time, and he meets lots of people in trouble, but he, he meets this woman 
who's escaping from the cartel. I can't remember from where, but she's on the train with her 10-year-old son. And so he, he helps her, he gives her food, gives her, gives, her, gives her his phone number and says, listen, if you're ever in trouble, if you ever need me, just call me. So, and she's, she's in the town for like two or three days. So he prays for her, leads her to the Lord, has this conversation with her. And she gets back on the train and she's, she's heading for America. You know, they, that, they head to the bar, border and then they try to get to the border. Anyway, she calls him the next day after she gets back on the train and she said, she's in a panic. And she said, my son and I have been kidnapped by the cartel. And he's like, where are you? And it's just, this is a very long story. It took him an hour to tell the story. So they, 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 uh, the cartel takes them and they're gonna sell her son into prostitution if, he, if she doesn't get $10,000 by tomorrow morning. And she's just on a, you're in a panic, you can imagine. And she's in this house with the cartels holding her. Anyway, through word of knowledge, he figures out where the house is. He, first, he gets on the train. He rides a train. She, she describes, he says, you know, tell me what you see out the window because she has this little window. So he tells her, she tells him. And he, so he kind of figures out, well, she must be in this city because it said airport, so it's close to the airport. So he gets to the city, to this big city, and he's driving around and, and through a word of knowledge, the Lord tells him which house is the cartel's house. Anyway, so he prays and he asks the Lord, what should I do? And the Lord says, sell yourself to the cartel. So he sells himself to the cartel as a slave. Now you want to know more, right? Yes. Next week, I'll finish this story. <laughs> I will give you the short version. And the story is absolutely wild. He sells himself to the cartel and he ends up freeing that woman and her son and another lady and her son that are both being sold the next day. They want 30,000 30, for everybody he gets them out for $3,000, gets them through the border, and a month later gets a call from the lady and says, we have a job, we're working, we're safe. Great job. <laughs> Why did I tell you that story? Because God's called us to radical obedience. He's called us to radical faith and radical obedience. And uh, you know, after that guy got done telling that story, I'm on the front row and I'm like, I don't know if I'm a Christian. <laughs> But I believe that God is awakening America. And I believe that we, like Jimmy, like this man from Honduras, like the people in this room, I believe that God's called us to be a catalyst to the veteran who's homeless, to the, the atheist who, who's seen the wrong shirt wore on somebody. You get the metaphor where I'm going. I'm saying I believe that God's called us to radical obedience. I believe the Lord is awakening something in every single person in this room. I know he's awakening me. I know that I haven't had this kind of awakening since I was a young believer. And I want us to, I want personally to not just start, well, I, don't, I don't want to just go back to where I started. I, I, I want to I I I get higher. I want to get higher, sorry. Just stepped on someone's flowers, so I'll, re I'll replace those. I want to get higher. I want to go, I want to get back to the foundation of faith, but then I want to step up from there and get higher and go further than I've ever gone before. Before we finish, I have a few minutes. Um, we did this first service, but I feel we'll do it again. Um, you have a ringing in your ear for the last week. You, you have ringing that started ringing, your ears started ringing a week ago, very annoying. Um, would you stand if that's you? 
Now, if you've had it for years, I don't want you to stand because I have a prophetic word for you. A ringing in your ears started about a week ago. Good, two of you. Well, bad, but good. I'll, I'll, you have it? Okay. And if you're online, just put in the chat, that's me too. Uh, the Lord told me this, that the enemy's been trying to resist the newfound faith and derail your destiny. But the Lord says, I'm gonna open your ears. I'm gonna cause you to hear me in a way you've never heard me before. The enemy's trying to block your hearing, but the Lord's like, I'm gonna open your hearing. Not only is your, the ringing gonna stop right now in Jesus' name, but you're gonna have extraordinary hearing. You're gonna be able to hear the whisper of the Lord. Now, what it's gonna require of you Listen, when the Lord whispers, he's gonna require you to listen to his whisper. It makes you more uh, responsible for his word when he requires you to hear his whisper. So I release that to you in Jesus' name. Don't be surprised at what happens today in the store for you today, because the Lord's gonna open this door in the store today. When you're in there, he's gonna whisper to you about a person that you pass, and the Lord's gonna require you to do what he tells you to do for that. So I bless each of you in Jesus' name. Thank you for standing. Um, this, I just got this a little while ago. Um, you have bruised ribs that happened last week in an accident. Would you stand? I have a word for you. You have bruised ribs. You're not, you're not standing to be healed, but you might get healed, but that's not why you're standing. If you have bruised ribs from something, an accident that happened last week, would you stand? Okay, I'm gonna give it anyway because we have lots of people online. Uh, I, I felt the Lord say that he is uh, opening up, you know, bruised ribs, that he's opening up your heart and he's healing some stuff that happened to you, to not, not in the accident, but in your heart. That he's healing a bruised heart, that he's healing a, a bad story, and that he is rewriting specifically your story. And so don't be surprised if the Lord meets you in a dream tonight and not only heals your bruised ribs, but he heals your bruised heart. I have an, another one. Is there a, a Bobby from LA in here? A Bob or a Bobby from LA in the room? Anybody? Okay, I'm gonna do this one too. Um, uh, someone important, your father, cursed you and told you that you would amount to nothing. But the Lord said, I'm your father and I'm gonna turn the curse into a blessing. And not only am I gonna bless you, but you're gonna go back and bless your father. Um, somebody have a, a car door accident? Um, did you have a car door accident, like you caught your hand in a door or something? Somebody stood, two people stood in twin view. Is there anybody in here that had that happen to you? Oh, stand up, please. Is there anybody else? Oh, good, okay. Um, do you have problems with your hand anymore? Okay, good, I didn't, do you? You do, okay. Well, first let's pray for healing. Lord, I pray for this man, healing this man's hand in Jesus' name that you would restore his hand. But that's not why I have you stood. That's not why I had you stand. Um, God said that he's opening doors for a new vehicle for you. <laughs> that what bruised you is gonna open the door for you. Like where you got bruised is going to be a vehicle of that door is gonna open. Let me say it again. I mean, like maybe you had a bad relationship that bruised you and God's like, I'm gonna use that, that, that place where you're bruised, that's gonna be your ministry. And, uh, and I'm releasing open doors for you Don't laugh, it's not funny. Okay, <laughs> I bind the devil. God's releasing open doors for you where your hand was once bruised. 
And that's gonna be a, the vehicle of your ministry. Like I told you, this is a time of clarifying your ministry. Think about where you were most bruised and God's like, I'm sending you back to that vehicle. That's where I'm gonna heal you. And that's where I'm going to restore you to. Um, the last one is this. You have gold dust that, uh, that appears on your hands just spontaneously. Not, not in a meeting like this, but it just appears on your hands like throughout the day. Would you stand? Gold dust appears on your hands for no apparent reason. Like you, it doesn't have to be in worship. You don't even have to be thinking about it. It just appears on your hands. Look at all the people who are standing. And the Lord told me that there's an anointing to break generational poverty off you. An anointing for generational poverty. And I, and, um, and I just got this from the Lord too, that now these, um, I, I was talking about clarifying your call. This uh, gold dust you're gonna find actually does happen during a certain conversation or a certain thing you do. I, I don't even know what that means, but it's gonna be a sign to you that you're supposed to like invest here or talk to that person or that person has something to do with uh, the, the breaking of poverty and the releasing of prosperity. So I release prosperity over each of you that are online too, our online family. We bless you right now in Jesus' name. I pray that God would break the poverty mentality and that uh, Deuteronomy 8.18, that he would give you power to make wealth and that he would confirm his covenant to you in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. You can sit down. Thank you so much for standing. Are you sure there's not a Bobby in here from LA? I'm sorry. Is there not a Bobby in here from LA? Okay, would you please stand up? Are, are you over there? Everybody's pointing to someone. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Um, the Lord is doing an amazing thing in you. I feel like he's healing your heart it's about uh, something about, uh, as I said earlier, about someone who cursed you, maybe, maybe your dad, but, and said you'd never amount to anything. But God said, not only are you going to amount to something, you're going to be a patriarch that blesses your family. A whole legacy is coming out of you. You're like an Abraham to your family lineage, that there's going to be children and children and children, both natural and spiritual children, and they're going to come back and bless you. They're going to be like stars of the skies, sands of the sea. There's a whole lineage flowing out of you because you are a man of integrity. You're a man of nobility. And you're, you're, a, you're a man who God wants to build a foundation on. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.